the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounce. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Oh, thank goodness it's Friday. Uh, welcome to this hour TGIF. of Flamestock. TGIF. It sure does feel like a TGIF Friday. Are you staying up to watch all four shows? Just Boy Meets World. Yeah, that was always the best one. Did you know that Corey Matthews is running to be a congressman in... In I California? Try, you know, I try to avoid news that makes me feel that old. I was like, are you Ben Savage for Congress? <laughs> Not even a joke. What does Topanga think? You know, we could talk about that. If we could what talk about show. Boy Meets World yeah. instead of Little the Family Matters, Shark Boy theme. Meets World, hanging with Mr. Hanging yeah. with Mr. Cooper. Step by step. Step yeah. by step was 10. 10.30 was hanging with Mr. Cooper. Good times. Oh, better than that. Simpler uh, times. Better than that Flame Sharks game. Let me tell you that. Oh. Uh, welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. It is Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. And welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go subscribe to that uh, Flames Talk feed. We'd love to have you along for the ride. And uh, we go inside hockey to kick off this hour for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. And uh, we go inside hockey and I wonder, there was that storyline on Boy Meets World where Corey Matthews um, was kind of interested in another girl. Uh, remember they were on a ski trip. I think her name was Lauren. And he he started like there was a little temptation. This is incredible there. recall, by the way. I will always remember. Like there's a little. I was like, are you gonna cheat on Topanga? <laughs> and he almost did, and it almost ruined their relationship. And I want to look back and wonder what would have happened had he decided to pursue that with Lauren as opposed to continuing with Topanga. You know what? I'm gonna rip up this script right here, and let's just talk Boy Meets World. Anything. To avoid that. No, I, you know, I'm in a weird mood today. Wes is in a weird mood today. It's a weird time. Like, I, I got to say that that the Flames Talk postgame Thursday following the 6-3 loss to San Jose was one of my least favorite postgame shows I have ever done in a decade plus of doing them, almost 15 years of doing them. Uh, I hated it. I, hate, I, I was mad at myself. Um, I thought I did a horrible job in navigating all the speculation. I was irrationally mad at callers for bringing speculation, which I shouldn't have been. That's on me. But I was like, mad at George and mad at other people when I when I finished off the show for bringing a bunch of Twitter rumors that um that and and you know just throwing them out there like they're fact and I shouldn't have been mad at anybody that's that's the world that we're living in right now and Flames fans and this is this is what the I guess the current climate is being a fan of this team or being an observer of this team or covering this team as a reporter or host or journalist or whatever you want to call yourself. It's such a weird time and, yeah. and the weirdest time I can ever remember covering the team. And the only time I remember it being this strange was the last time it felt similar to this. And that was, the dying days of Jerome McGinley's time as a member of the Calgary Flames, which is more than a decade ago. Well, it's the last time I remember it being so weird like this. And you asked me that question. You said, you know, have we in our tenure covered a, a stint like this? Have we ever seen a similar time? And that was what my mind went to as well. You know, the sort of countdown to Jerome McGinley being traded away. We also knew... Jay Bowmeister was going to be traded away, and and suddenly there's rumors popping up that same season, and uh, obviously a very exciting moment coming up March second at the Saddle Dome. But that's two weeks yeah, away. There, the speculation then sort of shifted to Mika Kiprasov that same season, and you know while that was the closest that I remember to what we're going through right now, 
what made it a little bit different was in that lead up to the Aginla trade and the Bo Meester trade and, and Mika Kiprasov's retirement. It was like the hockey didn't matter when the trades were happening. It the team had already sort of floundered out of it, and it just it it wasn't as if you were trying to separate the hockey games from everything else, right? And that's what makes this stretch. I think seem so unique to me is it's like you've sort of got you've sort of got two things going on concurrently the off ice and the on ice and and sometimes they just don't really fit together it's it's sort of weird having them happening almost at the same time and I know that lots of different markets have have been through this but it is something unique here do you get the sense the same sense that I do that for many, and I'm not saying for everybody, because every fan is different. And I, I see it on the text line. There's lots of people who are still really upset about the, the 6-3 loss to San Jose, and we're really excited about the opportunity for them to bounce back after the Rangers loss and, and make it wins in four or five, all that type of stuff. But it, it feels like there is, there, there is a large segment of Flames fans that even even if they don't want to be thinking like this, are in that mindset where the results kind of feel secondary right now. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, nobody really wanted to talk about the Sharks game. And that's any other year, the Flames lose that bad to that bad a team. If it's that ugly a night, that's all we're talking about. And it's, it's this guy should be fired or that guy should be traded or bench that star. And instead, all people wanted to talk about was Markstrom. All people wanted to talk about was why why was Markstrom on the bench? Why didn't he play? Why did he even dress? Why isn't he traded yet? Who's lying? What insider's right? What insider's wrong? Like that's all people wanted to talk about. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I and I I fully admit I na- navigated the whole thing poorly. And and it was just, but it was a weird night. It was just, and and it is a very weird time. And and I don't know. It just struck me most on Thursday night and into today's practice at the Dome, being around the group on Friday and now getting ready for this show. It just, it, it, it has been a very, very weird stretch that we're living in and it ain't getting any less weird until decisions are made by those who make the decisions. Yeah. And I, I, um, I mean, no disrespect to my uh, flames talk co-host when I admit this, but I, I opted to listen to Zach Bryan on the drive home last night because I needed a little break Smart from hockey. <laughs> and uh, But I think last night becomes one of those games, and, and we've had a few of them throughout this season, that maybe remind the fan base why they're fed up with what has been the status quo. You know, And if I could guess why the post-game call-in show went the direction it did, it's that... People are are really not just ready for change. People are almost demanding change in this market. Fans are demanding that something has to give. And it's not like the team is is pushing back on that. The organization is pushing back on it. I think, you know, things are certainly going to change in the next three weeks here. It's just there still is three weeks of time that we're going to be talking every single day about a new rumor, a new you know, a new wrinkle, perhaps a, a new report. It, it's just going to be nonstop from now until that buzzer sounds on March the 8th. Play of this. This was uh, Blake Coleman in the locker room Friday morning after practice where um, just a, a, a few notes. Um, Jacob Markstrom did indeed practice, was indeed in the starters net and is on track to start Saturday's game against Detroit. I know the discourse surrounding Markstrom is loud and confusing, but Jacob Markstrom practiced and is still a member of the Flames and um, is set to start a huge game against the Red Wings on Saturday afternoon. Dan Vladar uh, has been activated off of IR. He was in the other crease, so goaltending back to normal for now. Dustin Wolf returned to the Calgary Wranglers this morning with Dan Vladar activated. And Cole Schwint returned to the Calgary Wranglers, swapped for Dryden Hunt, who just got healthy. And Hunt is now going to join the big team. And presumably, because Jacob Pelche still has not resumed skating with the team, presumably Hunt's in for Saturday's game against Detroit and will be on the left side of that line with Kevin Rooney and Walker Dewar. So it looks like Dryden Hunt will return to the NHL lineup on Saturday afternoon as well. So those are the notes from practice. But other than that, 
you know, nothing changed. Uh, line combinations the same, save for Hunt. Deep pairings the, sta- the same, and your goaltending is status quo as well, knowing that Dan Vladar has been activated off of IR and is ready to return to game action as well. So let's play this clip from Blake Coleman. I want to talk more about the weirdness you referenced with Jake and Markstrom, but let's start with Coleman. Well, here. this, and, and he's talking about just that the weirdness and how everybody knows that you know there's, there's a lot going on right now. Unfortunately, everybody's tears are still leaving it out there. They're not, you know. They're not tiptoeing around, and um, you know they're they're making our team better still. And the rest of it will be what it is. It's a business. You know, I've been traded um, before, and and I was somebody that nobody was talking about. So it could be anybody in this room, right? Like I, mine came out of left field, and uh, I know we got some names circulating around the the uh, media right now. But at the end of the day, it's just noise. Is what it is. They're true pros. They've They've blocked it out, and they haven't let it be a distraction for us. And um, and they're trying to do what they can to help us win games. So, I just thought that was interesting to hear from Blake Coleman and him talk about how it could be any of us. Yeah, it's not just Noah Hannafin and Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev. It could be any of of the guys in question. Not it could be anybody on that roster right now with as much as uncertain with this group right now yeah and you've been hearing it for a while but you know maybe not in such a kind of public setting as as the way Blake put it today but you know in in sort of one-on-one chats players have acknowledged yeah we we don't know who's going to be here and you know we don't know what name is going to be flying around next and while I think it's become a point of pride the way they've blocked out that noise you can't you can't silence it you can do your best to block it, right? You know, if, if we're talking about it in the sense of noise, you know, you can close all the windows in your house if your next door neighbor's having a party. But at some point, you're still going to be able to hear DJ power play through the walls. As you should. And so while I think they've done a good job of, of blocking it out, I appreciate a guy like Blake Coleman who had a letter on his sweater last night coming out and saying, yeah, you can't. <laughs> You can't just ignore it. You do your best to block it out, but we we know what's happening. We know what's being said. We know what's at stake and what could be coming. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of manifested itself in a number of different ways, right? Let's let's start with the the the, the Jacob Markstrom discourse because that was that was insane on Thursday. So and it started in the morning, right? Like it started with Dustin Wolf in the starters crease. Vladar still on IR and in the visitor's crease. Markstrom not out there. Then we felt, okay, Wolf is starting. Markstrom is backing up. Then as you and I are doing pregame on Thursday night from 6 till 7, we're in the hot stove lounge. we got a big TV in there, and we got our eye on warm-up. So we're watching warm-up uh, on the TV. Logan's upstairs, and he's texting me. And Markstrom is not doing the regular backup goalie stuff right. that you do during warm-up. You know, he's not taking a lot of shots. He's not swapping in with Dustin Wolf a lot. Um, and and so that's interesting. And then uh, a bunch of people start talking about how he spent the last few minutes, you know, flipping pucks to fans. and Maybe so, not a bunch of people, but go on. And so there were, <laughs> and so there were you know... A lot of questions about, okay, what is this all? Is he getting traded? Well, is he hurt? Is that why he's not taking shots? Right. Is is he upset? Is is he insulted by the, all these things people are wondering about when it comes to, to Jacob Markstrom? And then post-game, everybody's talking. Some people are saying that the New Jersey deal's not dead. And then some are saying there, there's nothing going on right now. And, you know, this person on, on Twitter is saying, I'm hearing this. And the... And it's all over the place. And then people are wondering, okay, well, is he going to be a flame on? Is he going to be a flame on Friday morning? Is he going to even play another game with the flame? Like that just speaks to the weird purgatory that everything seems to be in right now. Well, and to add to that, the I guess rumors, and maybe that's not the right way to put it, but you know, all of a sudden it's flying around that one of the accredited scouts for the game last night is a former goaltender former NHL goaltender and Scott Clemenson, who's now on New Jersey staff. Yeah. And so that just ratchets it, ratchets it up another notch. I, I got to tell you, I was curious and you and I both got to the saddle dome probably a little bit earlier than usual today. And we pulled into the parking lot at the exact same time. And 
sort of nodded like we were both there to see what might be going on with the goaltending situation. Because last night, the way that warm-ups unfolded, I thought those were kind of the two options. Is is Jacob Markstrom injured? You know, we haven't seen him practice a ton lately. We didn't see him take many shots in the pregame warm-up. So is it an injury or is he insulted that maybe the Flames were trying to trade him or is he insulted that that potential swap with the New Jersey Devils has become such public fodder, right? We've heard Elliot Friedman say multiple times in the lead-up to this deadline, Jacob Markstrom hates it when his name is out there in rumors. Well, it's not just out there in rumors. It's been what the entire hockey world has been talking about this week. And so... You know, I, I kind of wondered, is he injured? Is he insulted? And based on what we saw at practice today, based on the conversations that I had with people, it seems like the answer is neither. But that that's the sort of weirdness that we're talking about. That That's following this group. It, it's, it's not following them. It's hanging over them. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I mean... <sighs> It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Jacob to go out there and play his best game of the season against Detroit on Saturday, and um, just because all of this is going on right now. But at the same time, wouldn't surprise me if he has a rough outing because all of this is is swirling around him. I mean, really, Jacob Markstrom has never been part of something quite like this before in his career. When he was traded from Florida, he wasn't an established goaltender. When and it was, nobody saw that deal coming. Exactly, yeah. right? And when his time was coming to an end in Vancouver, well, it was so weird because that was the pandemic-shortened season. So you had a however long break between March and July when they restarted, and then Vancouver goes on their Cinderella run, and they almost upset Vegas in that year's second round, remember? And Markstrom was a big part of it until he got hurt. And then it was Demko who shut the door in game five, six, and seven. Um, and and so it, the, the, the talk really wasn't, or, or the, the rumors and the speculation weren't really swirling around him while he was playing. It wasn't right. until the offseason in the fall began. And then he signed, of course, with the Flames in, in October. So this is the first time Jacob's ever gone through something quite like this, where he's the established one, yeah. and everybody wonders if he's going to be the established one here or somewhere else in the next week or two. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that does impact his performance in a, a 2 p.m. matinee tomorrow against the Detroit Red Wings, because you know I know one of the topics you wanted to hit on in this segment is, you know, it, is this starting to become a distraction you know is this detrimentally affecting the flames and you know my answer to that generally I think would be no and yet Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev two guys who are are typically pretty predictable and pretty steady in what you're going to get from them I think have had two of their rougher outings of the season in their past two games and so I wonder for those two guys specifically and and they've had their names floating around for weeks and months already. But as it gets closer, as you return from a road trip to Calgary, you know, are you walking around your place thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should put some stuff in boxes just in case I get traded tomorrow. I wonder, you know, I wonder if I need a suitcase ready to go because who knows where I could be living and playing by the end of this week. Like, I, I do wonder if, specific to Hannafin and, and Tanev, that distraction is part of the reason they've really struggled in their past yeah. couple games. And for that exact reason, if Jacob Markstrom, who quite frankly hasn't laid an egg this entire season, he hasn't had one game that you're like, oh, geez, he was bad tonight. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a total surprise if tomorrow was it for that exact reason. This isn't just fantasy hockey. And, and this isn't me lecturing people for, you know, dabbling in, in rumors or wondering what might be coming. That, that's part of being a fan of the sport. But for the actual guys who are living it, there's a, there's a lot at play. It can't help but weigh on you. The, um, and then, so here, here's another example of how weird things are. So practice on Friday, little battle drill uh, in in the one end, the Flames are doing uh, they probably did about 15 minutes, 10 minutes of, of some good battle drills. And Noah Hannafin took a really hard hit on the end boards. And all of a sudden, he was trying, like you're like, he was slow to get up. 
and then he was kind of skating around trying to shake out his lower body. You're like, oh boy, did is that a stinger? Or did he do something? No. Everything was fine. Took him about five minutes to get back into drills. But once he did, he was full on, full bore. There was no restrictions. Right. But you're like, even I, I'm not I'm not personally affected as to what happens with Noah Hannafin's trade return and what happens if they uh if they don't maximize that return. But even my heart sank. You're like, oh boy, like what if that were to happen right, right. now? And that, how, how long do you think that five minutes felt for Craig Conroy? Well, and he was right behind me, and I did everything I could not to look back. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I am not <laughs> looking back there. I'm keeping my eyes forward because right. I don't want to. I don't want to have daggers thrown back at me. Right? We, you know, I I mentioned Jake Markstrom being one of the big stories in the hockey world, and in, in terms of the rumored uh, trade talks with the New Jersey Devils, well. The other sort of big trade storyline this week has been Jake Gensel's injury in Pittsburgh, right? That, yeah. was, that was a trade chip that everyone's been kind of wondering, hey, do the the Penguins cash this in? Is, is Jake Gensel with Lindholm off the market the best forward available at the deadline? Is this the best scoring threat even before Elias Lindholm was traded available at the deadline? And now he's out. He's on IR, which means he won't play another hockey game until after deadline day. Sorry, he's on LTIR, which means he won't play another hockey game until after deadline day. Yep. And and while I think there's still optimism that the Penguins can find a trade suitor for him, what does that do to the potential return? Yep. You know, what? let's bring up this sort of elephant in the room. At what point do the Calgary Flames look at Chris Tanev and say, we know that guy cannot play any style other than all out, completely fearless, face first in front of slap shots. We we know he only has one gear, and it's part of what we love about him. But how many more games can you put him in there and risk injury? Like, how close are we to talking asset management there? I've been wondering that since last week. Like honestly, yeah, uh, it was it was last week that Vickers and I. It was after the New Jersey game, I believe, where he left not once but twice. Right. That oh, it was a week ago today exactly. that Vickers and I were talking a about. Week ago yesterday. Yeah, and then it, but it was a week ago today that we sure. were having the conversation on Flamestock, where I was like, "You might have to sit out Tanev until you trade him here." It hasn't happened, and and you know, good on their chutzpah for being able to do it. <laughs> they, 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 they've got more guts than I do, but. Then it was the Rangers game where he got hurt again. It's like every second game, you're like, "Who oh boys, right?" Tan have a little banged up there, and so and and then you see Hannafin get hurt in not hurt, but there was a close call. How's that? I want to make sure that I'm very very careful with how I say it. But there's a close call in practice with Hannafin on on Friday morning, and Markstrom has missed three separate occasions this year with with injury two minor and and one where he broke his finger right so all these things you're like man at what point do you start to manage your assets and what point do you start to to gear down and all, and so all the things that we've talked about markstrom's uncertain future when do you sit guys out do you sit guys out at all Hannafin situation, Tanev situation, what Coleman said, what Rasmus Anderson has said this week about, hey, we're humans, we all know it. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be here. Kevin Weeks threw out Rasmus Anderson. That's one thing that you and I talked about before coming on. Right. We haven't even mentioned yet. Late on Thursday night, uh, right near the end of Flames Talk postgame, there's insider Kevin Weeks throwing out, now Rasmus Anderson is garnering interest around the league. You're like, they can't trade everybody, can right. they? And, and listen, they would be, I I think they would be making a big mistake to trade Rasmus Anderson. I understand why you need to be listening and not well, just that's need just to be. because he calls you his favorite. That's, <laughs> that's the only reason why. No, I'm with you 100%. You Even gotta, he doesn't like You got to get something in return for defensemen on expiring contracts. If Noah Hannafin has yet to pick up a pen and sign that contract extension, yep. he's got to be traded. Chris Tanev, a guy who has so much value to potential contenders has got to be traded. If those guys are not signed, they have to be moved. But you have Rasmus Anderson, a part of your 
leadership group, one of the culture setters in your room, your leading minute man on the blue line, on and on and on, you have him signed for two more years. Like yeah. you got that's if you asked me to write down the list of guys I'd have to be keeping, he'd be right at the top. No, I'm I'm with you. He'd be right. He'd be right near the top for me as well. I'm a big fan of his on and off the ice. I think he is is turning into a really quiet leader inside that room. And and so no, I'm I, and and what he brings on the ice is is huge. I'm with you a hundred percent on Rasmus. It's just I that was just another thing yeah. that was added to the fire. You're like I. I you know, up. this thing doesn't need many more logs. This thing is already a very, very well-constructed bonfire. <laughs> no, we don't need any more lighter fuel. We yeah. don't need any more no, firewood. No more gasoline, please. Let's read some texts. Anything you want to say before we hit the text line? No, let's hit some texts. Um, this says, uh, Craig won't sit, guys, even Tanev, because the entire time his message has been, they're competing for a playoff spot. That's no longer the case if they start sitting, guys. I guess from the beef, I get that. That is yeah. uh, that. That is a. I I believe that is a fully accurate text that he just writes, and yet I'm still like, should they start sitting the ice? Yeah, uh, like we, eight eight games till deadline day. Do I have that right? Day. Yep. I'll be really surprised if Chris Tanev specifically is still in the lineup for four, three, two, and one. Okay, I don't think. I don't think I would, and this is funny coming from the guy who's been saying, yeah, you know, I, I'd wait up till the deadline to move him because I think that's when you maximize the return. I'm not sure I, I would have the, uh, I'm not sure I'd have the stomach to even Hutzpah. leave him to four, but I don't, yeah, you can't play him in those last few. You absolutely can't. Um, Matt and Cochran says, we don't need no water. Let the <clears throat> burn. Matt in Cochrane, we don't speak like that in that civilized town where I was raised. No, that's that's a it's a very very bad word that you put in there, Matt. Some people just won't Matt, see the world burn. Matt, I'm not angry, but I am disappointed. I was a poor Michael Caine, by the way. I apologize for that. Uh, this reads: I'm a nervous wreck every time Tanev plays. Please sit him and protect this asset. Uh, this from Colin says, guys, I don't know what to think about the Markstrom situation. On one hand, it'd be a haul. You'd have to think on the other hand, it'd be nice to have a mentor wolf eight games before the trade deadline. I'm saying they probably do it soon. If at all, uh, this reads, so Marky plays terrible last year. This year he's playing out of his mind. The flames don't make the playoffs either years. What's that say about the group in front of him? Best thing Connie can do is keep cleaning house. This one, shame on the sports media for starting the Markstrom rumors to rile the fan base up and desperately trying to boost ratings. Markstrom is not getting traded. In fact, he'll play the bulk of the games till the end of the season. Now, you know what? That's Elliot Friedman's MO. He is, Elliot Friedman is an absolute hack who makes things up just to rile up ratings. He's never right. He's yeah. never bang on. You're right. Elliot Friedman is doing this just to get more social media followers. Bang on. And, Part of the reason, for sure, that we've not heard either side come out and say, ah, actually, we didn't have those trade talks. Part of the reason is they're they're just helping us boost the ratings. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all very, very... We're, everything's collusion behind closed doors. Come on. Elliot Friedman doesn't, do, doesn't go about his business like that. He doesn't put that out on Saturday headlines yeah. a week ago unless... He knows it happened. There, there was more than a little smoke there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What else we got at 960, 960? This says War DJ Power Play. Thank you. Um, this reads, I Isn't remember. Isn't that your number? No, no. I'm. <laughs> my last two uh, numbers are 7-3. Um, this reads, uh, I, I remember and I have a feeling I wasn't alone that when Aginla was being traded, I was more invested in where he was going because I wanted to watch him win a cup more than I cared what the trade meant to the team in its future. I'm very much excited for what any upcoming trades will do for the team this time around. This reads, it's been a weird season for me from the start. I'm pro-rebuild and have been pushing it for a couple of years. I think once all these pending free agents are dealt, I can sit back and actually enjoy the hockey. Deep down, I would prefer a better draft pick, but I can't sit down and watch and hope they lose. It's just not in me. Almost ready for next season to start. Lowell. 
Uh, this reads, I remember this feeling when Theo was the last piece of the cup-winning team leaving. Enter the Young Guns days. Blah. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was that was a tough one as great. well. Yeah, it's not great. 97, 98, yeah. Um, and uh, Wedley had a good one. I wanted to read a little. Uh, I don't know where it went. Oh, there it is right now. Um, he goes, uh, Pat is always mad at me, signed his calves. That goes right back to the beginning where I was like, yeah, I was getting, I was getting irrationally mad at people. Not even so much on the air. Just like in my head, I was irrationally mad at them for no reason other than I was like, uh, I didn't see that Twitter rumor. I can't talk about it. Uh, don't bring it up. It's like, well, no, that's that's not fair. Yeah. So what everybody wants to talk about. But in the moment, you know, I was really, really upset at George. I'm not. I, that was silly of I me. Mean, I was really upset at a couple of other callers. I'm, I'm not anymore. I shouldn't have been. But that's just the weird world that we're living in right now. Yeah. Anyway, I'm kind of glad I was listening to Zach Bryan. I don't need to be taking sides on the post game show. Yeah. I mean, I'm always on your. He's going to say you'd be taking my side. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, George. Uh, that's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for a Friday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. It's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on family day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary airport. It is Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, um... It was it was a rough night for Dustin Wolf. It was a rough night for everybody. Let's let's preface everything with that. Thursday's game against San Jose was just not fun, and it was not a good night for I don't know seventy five percent of the forwards, a hundred percent of the defensemen, and the the goaltender struggled as well. In his first start in about two months, Dustin Wolf allowed six goals on thirty shots. He fought it. It was just not a nice night for him, but. He also didn't get a lot of help from the team in front of him. But I'm just curious, less so talking about what happened in the game for Dustin and more so what it means for the big picture. Just curious, guys, how how do you think we will view it or how do we view it right now when it comes to his development in the NHL? Because that's where he's still on the development stage. How does how does last night factor in to Dustin Wolf's development? Well, I think there are some lessons that he can learn from last night. Um, he, he certainly didn't look as sharp as he has in most games that he's played at the NHL level. And hey, he's only played in seven. So we've got a really small sample size to work with. His first game was game 82 last season, a meaningless game. He did win that game against his hometown team, the Sharks. And you know, he's been up and down like a yo-yo this season, uh, has performed at a really high level at the AHL level again. I believe he's, I looked last night, seventh in the league in goals against average and third in save percentage. So, you know, he's been fantastic for the Calgary Wranglers. But his numbers for the Calgary Flames this season aren't great. A 3.91 goals against average, a 878 save percentage. But with that said, remember, Jacob Markstrom's numbers weren't very good in the first couple of months of the season either. And I think one of the reasons why was the team didn't play very well in front of him. And, fellas, I think it's safe to say the team did not play very well in front of Dustin Wolf on Thursday night. So, while I wouldn't put it all on the forwards and defensemen, and I wouldn't put it all on the goaltender, I think there's some blame to be shared. I think there's plenty of blame to go around for what happened in that 6-3 loss to the Sharks. But, small sample size, it was his first NHL game in but just over two months. I think the last time he played in the game with the Flames was on... December 12th. Does that sound about right? Yep, that's right. In Vegas. Yeah. So it's more than two months between games for him. Uh, I'm going to start to really judge Dustin Wolf when he gets called up to the NHL, stays in the league and can settle into one of two roles, the number one goaltender or the number two goaltender. I think once we have a little bit bigger sample size to work with, once he has some consistency to work with, then I think that's going to be a, a better time to judge him. The, the thing I didn't like on Thursday night, fellas, he's not a big goaltender. We all know that, but he looked small. 
And that's really the first time for me at the NHL level where he's looked small, not because he is physically small, that's part of it, but just because he kind of made himself look small. Uh, so that's something I think he can correct moving forward. Well, Dustin Wolf has never admitted this, and and he was asked about it last night again and, and sort of brushed it off a little bit. But I do feel like he puts a whole lot of pressure on himself to take advantage of any NHL opportunities because I feel like the way that things have been handled by the Flames in terms of the fact that he's still primarily been a minor leaguer this season, I think he has it in his mind that I have to show these guys every time I get a start, I have to basically send a message. Hey, you can't send me back to the AHL. And I think a lot of the emotion we saw on Dustin Wolf's face last night, you know, he was rocked by that six, three loss. And I think a lot of that comes from the pressure that he puts on himself to take advantage of opportunities. But I liked so much of what we heard from Dustin starting with, you know, you take nights like this and as much as they suck, you try to take whatever lessons you can. And, you know, the one thing that struck me about what we heard from Dustin during his post game was I wasn't expecting to start this game, but I was really glad that I got the opportunity. And that got me thinking about how different the role of a backup goalie is to anything that Dustin Wolf has done up to this point, right? Like he's been a workhorse for the Calgary Wranglers. He's been a workhorse for the Everett Silvertips when he was in the Western Hockey League. He's been a workhorse at every level. And so last night was not only his first NHL start since mid-December, but it was his first start period since February 3rd, if you don't if you don't count a little bit of shinny at the AHL All-Star Classic. And I think that's going to be part of the sort of learning curve for Dustin Wolf is how do I make sure that I have my best stuff when I haven't yeah. seen game action for 11 days, for 12 days, for 13 days? And so, you know, I remember sitting in the Saddle Dome. I'm trying to remember. It must have been during the the lockout. Uh, sorry, not lockout, the COVID uh, era of bubble hockey. And I remember watching Dustin Wolf get lit up in his first in the first AHL, AHL game with the Calgary Stockton Heat. Yeah, like absolutely torched, and you just thought, "Geez, I I don't know how this is ever going to look at the pro level." And I was sort of reflecting on that last night. Like that was that was a bad start for Dustin Wolf. There were there were at least I think you could make a case that there were four goals that he would have wanted back last night, and yet everything that we know about the makeup of Dustin Wolf at the age of 22, I think he's going to be just fine guys. I do too. I, I'm not, I'm not worried. I, I think that, you know, the, the point that you made Derek about, you know, where, where Jacob Markstrom's numbers were earlier in the year. I hadn't thought of that. I think that's a, a really good point. And, and I also just look, it, it takes time for goalies to, get to being consistent 915 920 whatever that takes time and even for potential phenoms like Dustin Wolf even for guys who have put up numbers like he has in the American League he's still 22 years old and and so i think just naturally it's going to take some time but on top of that, I really like the point you made, Wes, about how I think from a development standpoint, Thank you. it uh it, it you're welcome. It really it really helps with because if Jacob Markstrom remains a member of the Calgary Flames, well, he's still gonna be getting a lot of starts, even if Dustin Wolf's his backup. So now Dustin's gotta learn how to be at his best once every three or four games as opposed to every night. I think that's a really important thing from a development standpoint. And here's the last thing I'll say, guys, is that I wasn't in the media scrum, as 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 Wes knows. Derek, you and I are lazy post game. We don't go in the locker room. We're we're just you know <laughs> biding our time. Um, but no, we don't have the ability to go in the room. But I I heard the scrum when we played it on Flames Talk post game, and then I watched it afterwards because I just a couple of people told me like he was wearing it, and he was. You could tell like he was that that stung him last night. The way that and not not because they lost. He he. Puts a lot of pressure on himself, as you said. Yeah. Put a lot of pressure on himself going into that game. 
and didn't play very well, and and he was wearing it, and I felt really bad for him with just how much emotion was on his face and how disappointed in himself he was. And so I think that's an important learn. That's the first time Dustin Wolf has really been in a game with those type of stakes. I know he's played earlier this year, but they went into this game having lost against the Rangers, and now they're really in a playoff chase. Like Even when he was starting in December and, and November, you're like, yeah, they're in a playoff chase, but you're still in the first half of the season, right? We're well into the second half of the season. We are approaching the stretch drive of the season, and Dustin Wolf got a start on home ice in a game the Flames absolutely needed, and he didn't hold up his end of the bargain like a lot of other guys did. And I think that's a really good lesson just in terms of dealing with the lows of being in the NHL as a goaltender. And and you got to shake that off. As frustrating as it would be to not have a great night in an important spot in the middle of a Western Conference playoff chase, to be you're going to have that even if you're one of the best. Even if you are a bona fide top-end starter in the league, you will have bad nights in the middle of a playoff chase. And so now he's had one, and now he knows what that feels like if it happens again this season or if he's in that position again next year. I think that's going to be a really important part of his development as we go on here, too. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And the other thing about Thursday night's game against the Sharks, A, I think the Flames took them too lightly, which they've done way too many times against bottom-feeding teams over the last number of years. And B, even after they played a pretty good first period I thought they were flat for almost the entire final 40 minutes and they made mistakes that they simply have not been making and some individuals who have been consistently good for this team all season they even made some mistakes that they almost never make and that led to some chances that kind of came out of nowhere for the Sharks and you you could argue that uh, Dustin Wolf should be used to dealing with those types of chances because I think the AHL is way more unpredictable than the NHL. Guys aren't always where they're supposed to be, aren't always what they're supposed to be doing. And you could argue that the Sharks are fairly close to an AHL team with uh, uh, them kind of bottoming out and with some of their top players not being available to play last night. But, you know, the, the chances the Flames gave up, those weren't the type of chances they were giving up consistently during that four-game road trip where they played really well in front of Jacob Markstrom with the exception of maybe one or two periods. So, yeah, Dustin Wolf deserves some blame from what happened on Thursday night. But uh, if, if I had to uh, put a percentage on it, I'd put maybe 30 or 40% on him and then 60 or 70% on the 18 guys or uh, a good chunk of the 18 guys in front of him. I mean, outside of the cadre and the kids' line and a handful of other guys, it was a really rough night for Flames skaters. And, and here's the other thing I wonder about. So, and I know we're going to talk about uh, the home road splits in a minute, but the Flames go on the road and they play good hockey. looks like they're having tons of fun. And I think one of the reasons why it's maybe easier to do that on the road than it is at home is because there are fewer distractions. They don't have to answer our questions about, is this guy getting traded or is that guy going to sign an extension every single day? And we have to remind ourselves, even as people who are around these guys almost every day, that... Yeah, they're hockey players, but they're also human beings. So how are these trade rumors impacting the players uh, who may or may not be getting dealt before March 8th? Jacob Markstrom, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev. I think for the most part, those guys have dealt with it really well. But then how does it impact the players that those moves could potentially impact? Like Dustin Wolf, because if Jacob Markstrom gets traded before March 8th, guess what? Dustin Wolf is probably coming up to the NHL and he's probably here to stay. You don't think that that's in his mind, front of mind, back of mind, but in his mind, uh, it has to be. So Wes, to your point, I think every time he gets a chance to start for the Flames, he's putting a ton of pressure on himself. And for the most part, I think he's handled that pressure pretty well. But last night was a tough night, one that he can learn from and, Hopefully next time he plays, uh, the guys are better in front of him as well. We want to pick up on that. It's Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wesson, Pat. Flames are 12-12-1 at the Saddle Dome this year, so they've played 25 of their 41 home games. Uh, so that means, geez, there's still 16 home games to go. It, 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 there's 28 games remaining. 16 of them will be home games. Um, 
So they're 12-12-1 with a minus three goal differential. But more importantly, they've lost five of their last six on home ice. They went on that four-game losing skid during the six-game homestand. Then they snap it by just barely beating the 32nd-ranked Blackhawks. Go on the road, come back home, and then get spanked by the 31st-ranked San Jose Sharks on Thursday night. Any any guesses, gents, as to why home ice has not been friendly here of late to the Flames? Yeah, I mean, is I've it just is it just what you were talking about, Wilsey? Well, I think that's one of the things, Pat. I think, and this isn't just about the Flames. I think it probably applies to every Canadian team and even some U.S. teams that are in more traditional hockey markets. When players and coaches and managers are at home, they have to deal with uh, a larger group of media day in, day out. And when you're a team like the Flames that's had stuff swirling around them all season long, sometimes I think it's probably refreshing for the guys to go on the road and get away from that noise. I think it's easier to to kind of block that stuff out when you're on the road than it is at home. So I think that's one way to explain it. Another way to explain it, and I started thinking about this last night when we had Kale McLean on our post-game show, but we talked about uh, the fact that uh, sometimes when you're playing against uh, teams that uh, aren't uh, a playoff team or aren't in the fight for a playoff spot, games can be a little bit more unpredictable. I think about the last two Flames home games, both against bottom five teams in the Blackhawks and the Sharks. And this Flames team, for whatever reason, and it's been this way for two, three years, maybe even longer, they tend to play up to their competition, which is what we saw them do on that four-game road trip. But they also tend to play down to their competition. They have lost five games against bottom five teams this year. So that's really put them in a tough spot. You could probably deal with two or three of those types of losses, but five's too many. And I think about that pandemic season you were talking about, Wes. The biggest reason why the Flames missed the playoffs was because they couldn't beat the damn Senators, who were really bad back then. Think about last season. The Flames uh, didn't have uh, a win. I don't think they had a win against the Blackhawks, did they? I think they picked up nope. one point yep. in three games oh, against two and the Blackhawks. And guess what? They missed the playoffs by two points, three if you want to factor in the tiebreaker. So if you win that season series, you're probably a playoff team. And this year, they've lost twice to the Blackhawks. They've lost to the, or sorry, twice to the Blue Jackets, once to the Blackhawks, once to the Senators, last night to the Sharks. Uh, those games are killers for sure. And then I would think the other thing is, and Ryan Huska touched on this. I can't remember if it was last night or, or today. Everything's a bit of a burr right now. But I uh, talked about the fact that when I asked him about the power play, so it was today, talked about the fact that when they kind of keep it simple and funnel pucks to the net, Good things tend to happen for them on the power play. But I think that applies to their five-on-five game as well. Maybe they try to be a little bit cuter on home ice and, and try to force plays that aren't there instead of taking the ones that are. So uh, maybe playing more of a road style at home would uh, help them win some more games at the Dome moving forward. But these are all just guesses because I think uh, the coaches have been trying to figure this out for a while as well. I'm going to latch on to the one word that, that you mentioned, and I didn't hear Kale McLean last night, so I don't know exactly how he described opponents as being unpredictable, some of those, I guess, bottom-feeding teams. But the problem from my vantage point, boys, is how unpredictable the Flames have been, especially at home. And, and you know, as someone who unfortunately has not been covering road games this season, I... I'm thinking as I sit here, how many times I've gone in the locker room and heard, oh, we weren't ready to play today, or that was an unacceptable effort, or we just got out-competed, we got out-worked. It's been, for someone who hasn't been in anything except the home locker room at the Saddledome, it's been way too many times. Like, this group has laid an egg on home ice at least a handful of times through this season, and probably you know, a couple more than that. They have, they haven't consistently been ready to play. They haven't consistently been ready to match the work ethic of the opponents. And for a team that's now 500 on home ice and, you know, for context, 500 on home ice would put you at about 23rd or 24th in terms of point percentage at home in the national hockey league. Like that, that's just not good enough. And I can't quite wrap my head around why preparation seems to be such an issue for this group in their own building. 
Um, and the only thing that, and, and I'll make it quick, but the only other thing that I'll, I, I, I won't even add anything. I just, I, I do think that there, there's something to the, the distraction thing. I, I really, I do think that there is something to that. And these distractions have been hanging over the group for a while now. You know, you think back to pre all-star break, Lindholm was still a member of the team and that was an added distraction plus Hannafin and Tanev, the Markstrom stuff really wasn't part of it then, but you know, they didn't play very well at all during that homestand. I don't, they didn't play one good game, uh, like one close to full get good game in those six games at home. Uh, even though they won two, you know, it was just like, they, they did not look very good coming off guys, a road trip where they did right. Like they beat Vegas. They beat Arizona. You're like, damn, these guys look good. Come back home. And they were no good at all. And then they go out on this road trip after the Lindholm trade and after the all-star break. And they're like, damn, these guys look good. Look how they're playing against some really good squads. They come back and it's only one game. They can change the narrative starting on Saturday, but again, they don't look very good. I just do feel especially, I think Willsie, the point that you make about, Hey, I think a lot of Canadian NHL teams go through this. I think that's very true. And so when you're a team with so much swirling around you like the Flames are right now, there's no team in the NHL, let alone a Canadian team, with more swirling around them right now than the Flames have. So then you come back home, you can't escape it. You can't escape people on the street or your family saying, I heard this or I heard that or getting it from us in the locker room or whatever the case may be. It's just so much harder to escape. So I I don't think there's a coincidence there. I really don't. Yeah, and the last point I'll make is that you've also got a fan base that's kind of split as far as what direction they want this team to go in. And I'm sure some players stay off of social media, but I know that some don't. So maybe they're reading about that as well, about how you've got a group of fans that wants uh, the team to tear it right down to the studs and uh, start from scratch. And then you've got another group of fans that uh, still believes that the Flames can and, and will make the playoffs. And then you've Got some fam, fans that are somewhere in between. So, yeah, there are uh, a lot of things buzzing around this team right now. And uh, I really do think that uh, Scotiabank Saddledome can be one of the tougher places to play in the NHL when things are right for this group. Uh, altitude is a factor for sure. And you can talk to visiting teams, especially teams that uh, come from the East. They'll tell you that. It can be a really loud building when the home team's playing the right way and, and winning more than losing on home ice. And uh, the Flames should be able to take advantage of that. Uh, it hasn't happened to this point in the season, but I'll say this. If uh, they're going to stay in the fight for a playoff spot, they're going to have to be a lot better at home uh, from this point on than they've been to this point this season. Speaking of home, we will uh, see you at the Dome on Saturday for a big game against the Red Wings. Thank you, Wilsey. Two o'clock start. We'll see you then. Uh, that is Derek Wills. That is the Daily Flames Roundtable. It's brought to you, as always, by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport as we start to wrap things up this hour. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Cam and Shan have been our producers. And... Uh, That was a weird hour. A weird hour in the middle of a weird stretch for the Calgary Flames. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution.